Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. I'm on record as saying that Trubisky will start week one. Um, assuming week one starts on time in Detroit. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Well, for, for the Bears, too, you had the extra intrigue of this open competition. You know, now that's completely out the door. Now, here they are. The Adams, Hogan Johns. Well, here we are. A different kind of report day for training camp. Not really what we've done in the past, but we're here, Johns. There's Zoom calls, and we are long, long ways away from Bourbon A. Yeah, I don't know about you, Adam, but I miss the the old feelings of throwing all the stuff in the car, you know, getting your bag ready the night before, heading down uh, the highway, you know, taking 57 to Bourbon A, uh, jam-packing that, uh, well, I guess that large press conference area they have. I, I, I kind of miss the annual feelings that used to accompany this this press conference. It just didn't feel the same. Yeah, look, uh, we talked about this, you know, back before there was a pandemic, Um or at least the pandemic reached the United States, you were a little bit stronger about your feelings of Bourbon A and how much you were going to miss it. I always said I loved the first few days, and then after like that first stretch of five days, I was ready to be back home and selfishly was looking forward to the idea of training camp being 10 minutes from my house uh, instead of an hour and a half or an hour 40 minutes away or two hours depending on traffic. Obviously, that was all before pandemic, and based on what this was like today, and we're going to get into plenty of football stuff here for you on this podcast as we talked to Ryan Pace, we talked to uh, Matt Nagy, and we talked to Andre Tucker, the trainer, uh, which is different because, again, of a pandemic going on. We're going to bring you those comments. But um, look, I think we I speak for everybody that uh, I don't care where training camp is. If, if it could be in person, it could be in Platteville, it could be in Bourbon I don't, I, you know, put me anywhere. I would much rather gotten in a car this morning and driven somewhere and uh, had a football practice to look forward to in two days. And that's just not the reality of the situation. So that part of this sucks, but we're going to continue to get through it. And I just hope we actually have football to talk about because it's going to be really sad if we don't. But we're going to get into all of that. Here we go. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hoke, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. I always like to call this kind of our podcast new year because we started it around this time uh, in 2015. So that'd be five years ago. This is our sixth regular season uh, of having this podcast coming up here. And uh, obviously the pod's been in a, in a different place before and evolved. It used to have a different name, intentional grounding shout out to our old listeners from intentional grounding days. (laughs) Uh, but we're happy to be here on The Athletic, and that's where you should be subscribed. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, 40% off right now with football coming back, with baseball already in the mix, with hockey. There's a Blackhawks hockey game tonight, Johns. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. 
when does the regular season actually open? What August first? So we'll have plenty of coverage. The game Saturday. Like, yes, Blackhawk yes. series starts Saturday. Right around the corner. You you know Scott Powers, Mark Lazarus will will have you covered. If you're just an NFL fan, Mike Sandoz piece on the quarterback tier is always a popular annual story that he's done since his ESPN days is is now live and hotly being debated on the the radio waves here here in Chicago. So be sure to check that out if you're a new subscriber. And um. I think we'll talk about that a little bit more later this week. We're second episode. We're scheduled to talk to Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles on Friday. So we'll have more on the quarterbacks later in the week. Although we'll come up here, obviously, as we get you Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace's thoughts on the impending quarterback competition coming up here. That's going to be very weird and very different from normal competitions that we see. But uh, you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. And by the way, if you are a hockey fan or a baseball fan, you can watch the Blackhawks, the White Sox on NBC Sports Chicago and the My Teams app. So that's always there for you as well. All right. Where should we start? I, I think as much as people want to talk about quarterbacks, there was an enormous piece of news that came in yesterday. Um, I, enormous is a good word yeah, for this, too. Literally enormous. It, Eddie Goldman is not going to be on the Chicago Bears in 2020. And this is, I mean, this is huge. First and foremost, totally respect his decision. If you are not respecting his decision or you're screaming at the football gods because Eddie Goldman's deciding not to play, yeah, look, it sucks. He's a huge piece of the defense. But, man, there are things are way more important than football right now out there. And... You know, the, the players are being given a window right now to opt out of the season if they want to. And anybody who does so, for whatever reason they do so, uh, I totally respect that decision. From a football standpoint, though, we could absolutely sit down here and break break it down and say, not good. Yes. Well, he is vastly underrated I think across the league and maybe most nose tackles are maybe some slightly get some more notoriety depending on which teams they, they play for but Eddie Goldman is the 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 linchpin the like the stalwart the, the glue to that defensive line he does he does the dirty work I know I'm throwing out cliches right now but it's all true he is one of the best nose tackles in all of football Stardom doesn't usually come with that, but the Bears' 3-4 defense works this way. Uh, it's going to have a ripple effect. I think it's position. They're built to withstand a couple losses, but to go an entire season without an Eddie Goldman, uh, I don't think, from a football sense, is uh, exactly ideal for, for the Chicago Bears. Uh, well, let's start the uh, the sound from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy here, and you can... Um hear what they had to say about this decision, their support for Eddie Goldman, and how it affects the team. I think you just recognize that this is personal for everyone, and you're just very respectful and supportive um, of that decision. And so, you know, both Matt and I, you know, talked to Eddie, we relayed that to Eddie, and, you know, Eddie's an important part of our team and our family, and we're going to welcome him back at, at the appropriate time. So I think you're just really supportive of these individual choices of when a player makes that. And and answer your second question, um, I haven't heard from any other players on this. Um, but, yeah, we did reach out to Eddie and talk to him through that process. And, again, just very supportive um, and, and respectful with his decision. Obviously, you know, he's a, he's a really important part of our defense and, and, a, and a really good young player for us. But I think 
this is when we talk about Mark, you know, the, the depth that we've had built up and, and especially at the defensive line, when you talk about guys like Roy Robertson Harris and Bilal, and John Jenkins and Brent Urban. Um, and you factor in, in Jay Rogers, who I think is just an outstanding coach, um, gives us a lot of confidence to that position. Um, and then Mark, look, you know, we're always looking at ways to improve our team and improve our roster. And there's a lot of avenues for us to do that. It doesn't mean that it has to be right now. Uh, but there'll be opportunities ahead of us as well. He uh, he communicated at, at first through email, and then we ended up talking in person. And so just having that discussion, what's very important here, Dan, to understand is that it was, it was you know, for us, we, we completely support him. You know, I think that's very um, important in, in everybody understanding. He knew that right away, you know, and, and so we just – we, uh, we told him we support him. We told him what we have, the, the education part, we told him what we have here, you know, so he knows. And um, and he that's the decision that he decided to make. So like Ryan said on the front end, um, complete support. Everyone is so different in what their opinions are. And we're a family here. So he's a part of our family. And this is what he chose to do. And um, we just got to make sure on our end now that we don't flinch and we continue to move forward. But you know, he, he did it the right way and we feel good about where we're at and, um, you know, we fully support him. So, John, you heard it there. Um, they're going to, su- I mean, what else is it going to say? But obviously they support Eddie Goldman. It was interesting to hear Matt Nagy kind of explain how it went down. Eddie Goldman initially just emailed him with the uh, with his thoughts on the situation and they talked it out. And full support of the team, Ryan Pace said they'll welcome him back next year. Uh, the interesting thing is the contract here will toll. So it opens up a little bit of cap space, actually, um, which is interesting. And then it's not like the Bears lose a year of Eddie Goldman's services. It just gets pushed back a year. So um, these are among the, the things that we're just going to have to adapt to in 2020, but a big loss for the Bears. I, I think he's going to be the only one as well. Ryan Pace was asked that a couple times. You heard some of his answer there. Um, indicating that he hadn't heard from anybody else. And I think the expectation right now is we record this on Wednesday at 11.21 a.m. A. Uh, here in Chicago. I, I don't think there's going to be anybody else. I know there's a, a Nick Foles rumor that was out there. I think that was squashed. Nick Foles will speak to us on Friday. Uh, yeah, where did there, that start, by the way? I don't know. I, I woke up yesterday morning to, to a couple – text messages. Hey, you hear this about Nick Foles? And, and look, there's always rumblings about that. Nick Foles and his wife just celebrated uh, uh, the birth of their child. I, forgive me, I forget whether it was son or daughter. But yeah, like you, you heard other players opt out because they recently had children. I think the Patriots had six players, six or seven players opt out. Um, starters, too. So yeah, well, I mean, that that's just a brilliant job by Bill G- Belichick <laughs> of tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence I mean, yes. we know this is going to happen. He, he's a genius. He's, you know, he, he literally, you know, had the forethought of a global pandemic and what he would do in case this happens. Just If know. there was a coach that could pull that off, it is Bill Belichick. Yes. So, hey, hey, there's plenty of crazy conspiracy theories out there. And, oh yeah, and, yeah, and almost I'll, too many. I'll take that one over some many of the other ones. <laughs> yes, the, the evil genius, yeah, Bill Belichick just just happens to be. He's like a wizard, you know. He, yeah. he, he you know, he went into the future and he came back and he saw this was coming. So I'm gonna yes, lose but, Tom Brady. No, we're we're <laughs> yes, going full COVID nineteen, yes. and 
I'm going to get my next quarterback. Oh, we have a plan in place for this. Yeah. yeah. We, we, got, we got a plan. But, yes, <laughs> jokes aside, like this should be taken seriously. These players are acting uh, out of their own concerns. They are acting responsibly, in, in my opinion. Everybody has their own way of looking at this global pandemic that, that we're getting through, especially guys who are going to be in close contact with each other. Like you and I can socially distance and do this podcast. Eddie Goldman cannot do his job and successfully socially distance. It's just virtually impossible. So you have to respect the, these guys' decisions. There, there's a lot of thought that goes into sitting a year out of your career when you're in the prime of your career, which is what Eddie Goldman is doing. Well, Eddie's number one job is to eat double teams. So not only is he in close contact with one person, he's usually in close contact with two players on any given snap where he's out there. So, and then you take in the weight considerations because there's obviously, you know, just proven studies out there that showing, you know, with a body mass index, I think over, what is it? A certain percentage. It makes you high risk. Yes. You're high risk. And and so yeah. I totally get it. Uh, let's talk about this from a, a standpoint of just how the Bears handle this. So I think the good news is they do have depth. Not necessarily at that specific position, but on their front seven, up front, the Bears defense. And it's also, as important as Eddie Goldman is, I don't want to minimize that at all, He's not out there every snap. It's, when they go into sub packages, he's not out there. So there are ways to get around and stomach the loss of Eddie Goldman. As good as he is, and I would say he's up there in terms of guys you don't want to lose, but I don't think it's as bad as losing Akeem Hicks last year. Yes, yes. It's well, it's the three-down aspect. It's the pass-rushing aspect. And I think every year around this time, training camp, I, I try to find Eddie Goldman to do a story. Hey, what do you think about getting more pass rush snaps on third down. How have you improved with, with your quickness and, and being that type of player? Uh, just talking about annual storylines for, for training camp. Uh, I feel like that that's always been one. So, yeah, maybe Chuck Pagano has to change things a bit. Maybe you are in sub-packages more. You do have a John Jenkins who could fill that nose tackle role if you're in your base defense. But, yeah, I'm trying to look up the snaps here for, for Eddie Goldman. So, okay, here, here they are. For the past few years. So so last year Eddie Goldman was on the on the field for 44% of the Bears defensive snaps. The year before that it was 53%. His high which was in 2017 was 58% of the defensive snaps. So it's actually decreased as the the years have gone on. Again, we're not minimizing his contributions. He is one of the best nose tackles in the game. But in today's NFL with three-down players and finding pass rush skills and specialists and Roy Robertson-Harris. It's just different in terms of how you attack opposing offenses. It is. So, I mean, it, I, I like that the the Bears have options here that can get creative. Um, you know, you're going to – you're probably going to see – more nickel packages than usual, perhaps. John Jenkins is a fine player. I mean, he can he can fill in here and there. He's not going to do what Eddie Goldman does, though. And and, and so it sucks. But um, you know, I, I these are these are the realities of the season. At least it comes early. And the Bears have one of the best defensive line coaches in the league, in Jay Rogers. He has a knack for taking guys like Nick Williams and getting them paid. 
by yes. other teams. Yes. Yes. So what can he do with some of these guys uh, to fill in? I'm mean, Again, no one's going to be Eddie Goldman, but there's there's ways to, to fill in and not have this be a devastating blow for the defense. Just just to further the point on, on the snap count, let me give you what Akeem Hicks, his, his snap totals were, at least in his full seasons, not counting last year where he was only in five games. So 2016, Akeem Hicks, 87% of the Bears' defensive snaps. 2017, 85% of the defensive snaps. In 2018, his Pro Bowl season, 74% of the defensive snaps. So that's in terms of losses, in terms of play counts, uh, yes, Akeem Hicks, his value, his loss last year was felt significantly. Yeah. So uh, that is that is the the big early blow for the Bears. Uh, it, now these guys still have, I think, to the weekend to opt out if they want. Um, and like you said, though, it sounded like at this point, and players are supposed to be reporting, so you kind of have an idea who's yeah. showing up and who's not. Uh, it it sounds like there's some hope that that might be it. I, I feel like this would be the time. Why put it off? You can always have a change of heart, but just looking at the Bears roster in terms of which players would possibly do it, maybe this is the next segue to our, to our conversation. Like it would have been Nick Foles, right? Newborn baby, um, a, a guy who has taken his life away from football very seriously, a guy who's made more than enough money, a guy who is moving his family again for like the third time in in as many years because of his football career. So uh, there's if there's one offensive player and a player who could have a significant impact on how the season plays out, if he were to top out, it, it would be Nick Foles. By the way, there there I don't I always feel a little I don't like to dive into these guys' personal lives too much, but the, there is some history. I I guess I understand where the Nick Foles speculation came they they had a miscarriage in 2019 and it was after she was ill so to, i mean look I, I i'm somebody who has a a child at home with a heart condition and somebody who who you know we've we've been very concerned about that and protecting our own child so i i totally understand i guess kind of where that speculation came from just given Nick Foles's uh, personal situation with his family um I don't know how much of it was rooted in any kind of fact though which is yeah you know whatever sounds like Nick Foles well he is I mean the Ryan Pace mad gonna be in this competition he's in the competition so he's whatever the situation was there Nick Foles is showing up and he's definitely part of this team and has a chance to be the Bears starting quarterback how this competition plays out it's it's going to be something Adam no no preseason that there's no offseason program Matt Nagy uh, will play here in a little bit even acknowledged that Nick Foles is probably behind things in terms of establishing connections and a rapport with his receivers and teammates because he hasn't been here well Mitch Risky has had all these workouts up here in the northern suburbs so advantage Trubisky early on here it's going to be very interesting to see what Matt Nagy does you know, in terms of creativity, in terms of creating competition, like an intense competition between these guys when there's these protocols limiting uh, exactly what they can do together. Let's hear what Matt Nagy had to say about uh, the competition and how it's going to be handled, because these were some interesting comments. In regards to the with the quarterback, so number one, 
this is a, it's a seasonal process. So what I mean by that is that uh, obviously we're going to have to name a, a starter at some point. Um, we as a staff internally will discuss that and how we want to go about that. Um, and then when you name that starter, you, you, you obviously want that starter in a perfect world to be able to go win a Super Bowl. Um, but you, there's so many different things that can happen, especially this season. So um, we understand that. And I think at the forefront of us, of being open and honest with them, we explain that, hey, if you're a real professional in this thing, um, both as a player and for us as coaches, we communicate to them that you, you better be prepared for every situation, right? How do you prepare mentally? Because that's a big part of this. So you can take two guys and you can say, okay, player A is the starter, player B is the backup, right? How does that go going into week one? If I'm player B, what is my mind like going into that? Because I'm one play away. Well, if I'm if it's flipped and player B is the starter and player A is the backup, how's my mindset right now going into the season to week one? Well, there's a lot of games that are played. So um, our, those guys are both wired the right way. And when you're open with them and you explain that stuff and you don't hide anything, you just tell them how it is, it's pretty simple. Uh, and, and now it's just a matter of having a feel and knowing. And we'll have a, we'll have a nice little plan and how we want to evaluate here in training camp. And then also, how do we evaluate fairly, right, during the season in the game? Because as we all know, um, you know, there's way more to – speaking of quarterbacks, there's way more to playing football than just the quarterback position. There's 10 other players on that field. So what goes into making that decision? Yeah, Mark, just to kind of add on to what, what, what Matt said, I think you know, understanding there's going to be ebbs and flows to the evaluation and – you know, it's going to be an evaluation of the entire process, not not just each practice. And I think letting it play out naturally, letting it come to us. And the good thing with, with Matt, it's, it's constant dialogue, constant communication, constant collaboration between him and I and his coaching staff and the personnel staff. So like everything we do, it'll be a collaborative decision. And I think what makes it easy is just our constant communication that Matt and I have. And, you know, one thing, Mark, one other thing, um, you know, we talk as coaches and we play scenarios out too. Uh, we're, we're just like everybody else. And you say, well, the one thing we're going to do is if we have however many practice, padded practices it is, or how many total practices you have in competitive periods, as we're going through this thing, if one of the quarterbacks is stinking it up and he's, he's playing like crap, we're going to tell you you're playing like crap, right? And if you're playing really well, we're, and, and we're going to tell you that in front of the other one, they're both going to know when someone's playing good and someone's playing good or someone's playing bad and someone's playing bad, they're going to know that. And so when the time comes that we inevitably need to make a decision, trust me, it's not going to be a surprise to them. And that's where uh, I think open communication helps. Got to love that comment there for Matt Nagy. Uh, if you're, <laughs> if you're playing like crap, we're going to tell you you're playing like crap and we're going to tell you in front of the other guy. Good. That's some accountability. <laughs> Uh, it, it, I think we've all had coaches in, in our in our life, especially like the, the younger years, maybe like freshman football or like grade school football, where you'd have that one really harsh coach who would just walk up to your position group, you know, hey, Johnsy, you're sticking it up today. Let's go <laughs> in front of everybody, you know, so, so they can hear it, which part of me appreciates this uh, approach, you know, hey, Mitch. You missed that guy. You sucked today. <laughs> like if, if he's that direct, 
That's great because I think this is everything for for the Bears this season. It's been a unprecedented year so far, but to, in terms of a football season, this quarterback competition is everything. Well, you know, I think what's interesting is it feels like there have been times in the past. Look, confidence has been an issue for Trubisky. I think we can all acknowledge that. Um, and maybe they've been very, very careful not to criticize him, to try to keep that confidence high. I think one thing we're learning as he enters this final year of his contract, quarterback competition, legit competition here to take his job. You know, those days are over, man. You you just got to figure it out, and we're not going to be take it easy on you anymore. Like, that's kind of how this feels. And I think that's how it's been sort of set up since March. And this is just sort of building on top of that, in my opinion. That's and that's how it should be handled. Yeah, I think you're seeing Trubisky. I don't want to say embrace or, or welcome because who would ever want to welcome such a thing? But you obviously play yourself into such situations, and I think he realizes what's at stake for him. Not not only in Chicago, but his his reputation in the NFL. Again, go read Mike Sando's tears piece and go see where he ranks. And see where Nick Foles ranks and other quarterbacks maybe you don't think are that much better than, than Mitch Trubisky. The the opinions of Mitch Trubisky around the league are not good right now. So you, you see him taking things into his own hands. He's working out with uh, – he changed quarterbacks coaches. He's working out with Jeff Christensen now uh, in, in the Chicago area. Uh, he's the guy who works with Mahomes, who's worked with Garoppolo, who's worked with Cousins in the past, who's worked with Ryan Tannehill in the past. So you see him – changing things you, you see him trying to take ownership of a situation and you have to respect that but we'll see where it gets him this year specifically with the Bears who signed or, or who acquired Nick Foles to compete with him and then the other part of this obviously is that there are no preseason games preseason football I think the Bears would love some preseason football this year but unfortunately they're not going to have those games Hearing what Matt Nagy had to say today about how they're going to handle practices, um, he said essentially we're going to freaking get after it in his training camp. Talking about live, li- sounds like they're going to do more live to try to simulate the games. The problem with that though is like you never actually go live with the quarterbacks. Like you're still not going to hit the quarterbacks. Whereas in the games, in the preseason games, they can be sacked. And that's isn't that the number one thing Mitch needs to be tested on, right? Is that pressure in his face, the idea that, hey, I can be hit before or after I let go of this football. So that's going to be really interesting to, to try to figure out how they test Trubisky in those situations. Every time we get to – we discuss this about like quarterbacks and camp and practices, I always think about Mark Trestman's camps where he would oh get God. after his defensive players. Adam, you, you remember this, right? Like oh, He yeah. would get after his defensive guys. Let him throw the ball. They weren't allowed to put their hands up at the line of scrimmage. Yes. The defensive line could not put their hand. I mean, to me, this I, I, if I like were to rank the most ridiculous <laughs> rules uh, in the decade I've been covering this team, it, it was no surprise that the defense never forced turnovers or, or takeaways in those seasons because they were it was being drilled into their brains in training camp. We can't put our hands up to block a pass. You know what I would do? And this may sound outrageous. But I would simulate missed blocks and missed assignments. 
Does that make sense to you? Like in front, because you know it's going to happen. They happen at least once or twice a game. Somebody's going to lose to whomever they're playing, right? Name some Pro Bowl defensive end. Like Charles Leno is going to win or lose some of those matchups. He just is. So let's simulate those losses, right? Like, sorry, Charles Leno, with all due respect, this is going to happen. Like, can we positively simulate a, a loss up front where Mitch Trubisky has to make plays? Like where he where he has to to step up and make a throw when the the pocket's collapsing around him. These these are the creative things that Matt Nagy has to think about. Like he has to consider this stuff because your offensive line isn't the best. You have a quarterback situation that has to be worked out. You have to almost like forget thinking outside of the box. You have to create new boxes in order to work in to get this to work for your quarterbacks. I just, again, I, I question like the mentality because like even if you simulate that, I think it's a great idea, Johns. The, there's still a difference between knowing when you can and cannot be hit. You know what I mean? Like, well, don't if you're, tell him. Don't tell I know, I know. Like, right, but if you're still Trubisky, you may not know that's coming, but you're still driving back and you know that whoever does come free still can't touch you. Yeah, yeah. And, whereas in a game, he could be driven into the ground and have another shoulder injury. And, so... And- it, that's just I, and until that gets that's the test that's because I'm not just talking about him taking a hit I'm talking about him with his footwork with his mechanics with his accuracy like those are all thing and more importantly anything else reading the field as that's going on so well not, your clock ticks a little yes, different yeah, yeah. when you can get drilled into the ground well this would be the first NFL training camp ever, I think, where we see a quarterback get hit. If that's where you want to go, I don't know. Maybe you give these guys like those soft pads that they use for like some of the handwork drills they do and let them get a whack in there or something like that, or you throw dodgeballs at them or something. <laughs> you know, they're literally talking about quarantine quarterbacks. Like, like There's yeah. been reports about that. And I know what you're saying because this quarterback competition has to play out. I know what you're saying about footwork. You know, that is Christensen's specialty footwork. You know, maybe he finds or unlocks something there. But, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, dodgeballs, those soft pads, something where there's contact on the quarterbacks. You know, there's a point there. But I can't see him allowing Trubisky to be thrown on his back in some of these practices. No way. Who wants to get sacked? Not me. Let's pound the ball right up there. Knock on wood if you're with me, man. All right? Got to find a way to get after it. Um, anything else before we want to kind of get into the COVID procedures? I thought you were going to play my tight end soundbite. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the I was the, expecting it. Like, I was prepared for you to, you know, based on your text messages to the group that, you know, that this was coming my way. But. Well, yeah. I mean, let's hear John's question to Matt Nagy about the tight ends. Well, we heard you, Adam, tell us we have like 17 tight ends. So we're just trying to take your advice and get down to like three for you. So you stop writing about them. But other, but other than that, um, no, it's an important position. We, we, we know that. We understand that. Um, and, and so that's our job is at the end of the season, evaluate where you're at. We did that. We, we made some moves. We like where we're at right now. There's going to be great competition um, for them to, to get in there and do what they can do. But, you know, having, having tight ends, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, in all of our opinions, is very, very important. And so we, uh, we wanted to try to um, 
get better and improve in that area as well as a bunch of other areas. And that was a start. So we're excited. I, I think for me, um, I know I'm excited. The rest of our coaches on staff are excited to see how it goes when the pads come on. Got a great group of guys. I mean, Jimmy coming in here with the experience that he has. Um, he's, I told you, he's got a little chip on his shoulder right now, which I like. Uh, Demetrius Harris, I have a history with from Kansas City. Uh, so we have a plan with him. We drafted, obviously, Cole Komet. And then we have a... Uh, uh, a nice group of other guys that we're excited to see really come in and compete. So it's an important position. There's not a there's not a coach in the NFL that will say different. I think just to add real quick, Adam, I think, you know, the moves that we made when we revamped the position, along with Clancy Barone um, coaching the position, I think, you know, it's a good mix of vets and young players. You know, they all have different skill sets they bring to the table um, that, that we like. It's, it's an intriguing group. And, I think you continue the, the, the players Matt mentioned, but the Holtzes and Horsteads and Sauberts. Uh, it's a, just a really intriguing group. A lot of competition there. And uh, that'll be another position that'll be really fun to see play out this game. Okay, we have time for a few more. Uh, Andy Seligman, go ahead. Yeah, Ryan, um, do, you, do you expect or do you think in the next couple of days another player or two might opt out? You know, it's it, it's it's that's just an unpredictable question. You know, I think these are it's such uh, an individual decision, uh, such a personal decision that we're very respectful of. Um, so I, I really can't answer that. I'm, but what I can say is I'm I'm confident when our players get here and, and they see what we've done as a staff uh, to the facility uh, using our entire footprint, um, I think it's going to give them a lot of confidence uh, to our players and staff. And it should because we've taken all the measures we can to make sure everybody feels really good about what we're doing. I mean, how dare you? <laughs> I, I I don't think I've written that much about tight ends. What I thought is like he had this ready for anybody who asked about the, about the tight ends. He, he was going to give right. it to him, but you know, I, I'll take the heat for the team. But it's Jesper Horstead's the only guy who was on the roster at this point last year. It's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, because well, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Adam Shaheen trade yet. And I got to say, I'm amazed that they were able to trade him. I, 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 okay, I mean, I guess if you're looking from the from the Dolphins standpoint, um, worst case scenario, it's a seventh round pick. But, well, I guess worst case scenario for them, it's a sixth round pick if you actually, but I don't. I have a feeling those conditions or whatever conditions it would be to get to a six round pick aren't going to happen. Yeah. The way I view it is okay. Ryan Pace had to admit another mistake. That's not good because it's another mistake. But I think the bears, like when they hung up the phone with the dolphins, maybe they like high fived and laughed a little bit. Like it's just, <laughs> I, I, I'm being mean, I, I, I guess here, uh, Adam, but this guy was going to get cut. And somehow they managed sure. to get a draft pick out of this. So I think you happily take what you got from the Dolphins. And it also helps from a roster standpoint right now because the Bears have to get down to 80. And Ryan Pace said they will get down to 80 players, which is different this year because basically the NFL has given teams two choices. You can stay at 90, but you need to split up your team. Or you can go down to 80 and keep them all together. Well, the Bears are going with 80. How that really solves any problems, I, I have no idea. Yeah, um, and the Bears are going with 80. Such an arbitrary yeah. line being drawn there between 80 and 90. But 
Um, a part of it is space and facilities, which we should bring up. The, another theme from these conversations today, and you're going to hear this from Andre Tucker too coming up here in a little bit. The Bears feel really good about the fact that they have these brand new facilities. Uh, more so than anything, it's just the amount of space they have and taking advantage of all that space and probably tapping into other areas. Like, I have a feeling, they didn't mention this, I have a feeling that my cubicle right now at House Hall is, who knows what it is, but it's probably something else. Like, the media room is probably being used for something else. The press conference room is probably being used for something else, as it should be. There's a large auditorium. Toilet paper storage, probably. Yes. Cleaning supplies, probably. (laughs) I'm kidding. Well, Joni still got his office there, so they got to keep it relatively safe <laughs> well they're running out of room in the yeah, podcast I'm kidding, closet i'm kidding i'm yeah. kidding yeah our, our podcast closet is definitely i don't even think they they don't go in that room who, who we get <laughs> <laughs> hasn't been touched in years anyway the bears feel good about the space they have to spread these guys out but they are going down to 80 guys on the roster and adam shaheen with somebody they would prefer to be evaluating the rookies and the newcomers on the back end Fortunately, they're going to have to cut some of these guys before even really looking at them, right? So yeah. getting rid of Adam Shaheen early allowed them. Now it means one other player that may or may not make a run at a practice squad spot or not, but at least allows for evaluation and practices. Adam Shaheen had his chance. Ben Broniker had his chance. And it's it just is what it is. It's, it's, it's a position that the Bears seriously wanted to overhaul. Jesper Horsett is the only returning guy from this point in the offseason from, from last year, from the training camp roster last year. And you have a, a new top four to that spot. So, yes, more snaps for them. No reason to waste it on guys you already know more than enough about. I, I'd like to know more about the Ben Broniker situation because that, that kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, a I'll bit. say it was a bit puzzling, but you got your Eric Soberts of the world, your, your Demetrius Harris's. Uh, and he, he was signed. He was, he was the first addition to, to this overhaul plan at tight end. I just wonder if there's, I don't know, more to that story somehow. Injury, something like that. He's a smart guy who knows about infectious diseases. I, I don't know. It, that, that, was just, that just caught me off guard a little bit. But whatever. I think the Bears are going to be fine. Now they only have 16 tight ends on Adam Johns' list instead of 17. <laughs> it's Bradley Sowell still on the team. I'm not sure. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, he was hanging around the locker room forever last year. He was. And my guy J.P. Holtz is still there. Yes, yes. Semi-fullback. I think he's going to be on the team. Yes, he is. Yes. I think they're keeping five tight ends. Well, because he's more of a fullback, and I think that really helps the running game. I expect to see a little bit more power this year, hopefully. Uh, and he would be a part of that, theoretically. So, anyway, there's the, the conversation on the tight ends. There was a brief comment about the... Um, Ryan Pace talking about the financial uncertainty, if you want to phrase it that way, uh, for the future because the the cap is not going to be where they, they need it to be in 2021. But Ryan Pace made it sound as if that won't factor into any possible contract extensions that are that are coming down the road. We're looking at you, number 12, Allen Robinson. So uh, maybe that's something we can report on here in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, I know that was a headline last week when Robinson said that the Bears still hadn't reached out to him. Um, I can see why people would immediately claim that to be egregious. 
it does seem a little odd. That being said, um, I think you got to understand that the last month plus has been spent pretty much, you know, this is usually time off. I don't know if these guys got any time off. Sounds like they've been in meetings and trying to figure out the season and revamping Hallis Hall and, uh, you know, trying to make it work from a pandemic standpoint. So I don't think a contract extension that I still feel like most both sides would mutually like to get done uh, was necessarily a priority in the month of July is, I guess, what I'm saying. Both sides should know where the NFL is going with their CBA and, and everything going forward here, not just for 2021, yeah. but, 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 but down the road. And the, this COVID-19 pandemic has changed so much about this, this business and the priorities uh, shifted correctly in terms of, of player safety. But, yes, the finances were going to come into to play here eventually. And, look, you see teams like uh, the, the Chargers giving jo- Joey Bosa all, all that money. So there, there is still money for teams to, to be spent, but they needed to have – like concrete knowledge of what the CBA was going to be in light of everything that's going on with this global pandemic. Yeah. I, I still would be shocked if Allen Robinson isn't a bear in 2021, but, and I do agree it'd be smarter to get it done before the season begins, but man, everything changes day to day. So some patience is, is definitely going to be needed. Um, all right. We're going to get into a little bit more in-depth discussion about what the Bears have done to the facility and how the hell this is all going to work and if football can even work. But first, we do need to take a timeout and I'll let you know, you know, the final 22 teams have made their way down to Orlando and are ready to get back on the court while the ending to this year's basketball season will be different than years past. There will not be a shortage of excitement, and there's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings will have not one, but two $1 million top prizes through the first two days of the resumed season. So get in on all of the action now. If you haven't tried it, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick eight players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at $1 million. But if basketball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament with millions of dollars up for grabs this week. There is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code RUN, R-U-N, to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, a minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Also want to let you know, because sports are back, you can save 40% off The Athletic. Right now, I mentioned it off the top of the podcast. There's no reason to be missing exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. You know, like Adam Johns' look inside Matt Nagy's poker room. Yes, yes, where pictures of Mitch Trubisky dressed like John Travolta from Saturday Night Live or Saturday Night Fever. Let me correct that. Saturday Night Fever uh, can be explained and discussed. Again, you can look at Mike Sando's tears, so plenty of... Of me, Kevin Fishbane, Dan Pompey, Mike Sando, 
Lindsey Jones, our entire NFL staff, and, and so much more. Baseball's back. Hockey's back. Uh, basketball is back. So check us out. And you can be listening to this podcast within the app at the exact same time. Uh, you read the great coverage from Adam Johns, Kevin Fishbane, and many others. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets the athletic apart. You can go to, and this is the link we always tell you, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back. You do not want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Okay, so part of why uh, this report day, for many reasons, we're not in Bourbonnet, we're not um, even in Lake Forest as we expected. We are sitting at home on our computers looking at computer screens uh, to talk to Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace today. But for the first time, they made their trainer, their head athletic trainer, Andre Tucker, available because he is the team's, uh, what's the exact title infectious control officer yes ICO ICO um, each team had to appoint someone within their organization to essentially take the lead within the organization um, to put in the protocol for COVID-19 each team had to submit their protocol to the NFL and the NFL Players Association to get approved the Bears plan was approved um, and because it's so, so, so important, the Bears uh, had Andre Tucker, their head athletic trainer and ICO, talk to us at the start of uh, today's press conferences on Zoom. And we wanted to bring this to you. We wanted to you to be able to hear what the Bears have done to House Hall to make this work. Because as much as we would be, pref- you know, prefer to be just be talking about football things, uh, there will be no football season if this doesn't work, and it needs to work. And so this is all very, very important. Um, I encourage you to listen to it. Of course, if the great thing about a podcast is we always tell you if you'd like to skip through it or. Just hear our reaction to what Andre Tucker had to say. You are free to do so. You can hit fast forward and uh, pick us back up because this is a little lengthy, but um, there's a lot of good questions as he went through and tried to explain everything and how it's all going to work. So uh, I think it's interesting. I hope you do too. Here is Andre Tucker. Good morning, everyone. Before I get going, I want to go ahead and uh, send some thank yous. Also, I want to thank my assistants, my seasonal interns, Bears Medical Docs, Liz Geis, like Ryan mentioned, the Bears Return to Work Committee, Ryan, Matt, Ted, and George. These individuals that I just mentioned have been unbelievable and supported me throughout this process, and I appreciate that. So many of you may ask, how did we get here? So back in March, at the league level, some committees were formed, and a plan was formulated with the idea of how we're going to return to work and to play in a safe manner. Within those committees, the ICO infection control officer was created. As Ryan mentioned, I am the ICO for the Bears. Some of you may ask, what is the responsibilities of the ICO? So for me, with the Chicago Bears, I'm the first point of contact should any club employee with new new symptoms suggested of COVID infection. I need to be the one that's notified. Communication within the organization to the return to work committee and the infectious response team. I also oversee the implementation of the club 
screening protocol. I'm the club primary liaison for the NFL. I oversee the cleaning and disinfection program for the facility. This is to ensure that we're meeting the CDC and ICS guidelines. I also oversee making sure that we have the appropriate signage within the building regarding health policies and COVID-19 best practices, such as stopping the spread of germs and guidance on COVID-19-like symptoms. With some of the information I just went over, I wanna to talk to you a little bit about it, the daily screening and what goes into that. So all employees and everyone that comes to Hallis Hall has to go through a daily screening process. You wake up in the morning, you check your temperature twice. You check your temperature needs to be 100.4 or lower. If you meet that criteria, you're gonna go ahead and log into our Bears daily screening questionnaire. It's app-based, it's about four questions. If you answer those questions appropriately, you'll be granted access to come into Hallis Hall. At this point, you're issued what we call a Bears Day Pass. It's color-coded with a date and a specific ID that's associated with you. If you don't answer those questions appropriately, I'm immediately notified. And at this point, we review all questions on a case-by-case -case basis. Once you arrive at Hallis Hall, your park is your associated parking spot. You're then gonna go over to our bioreference trailer. This is a trailer that's located on Hallis Hall's property. Inside the trailer, you have a check-in station. After you leave the check-in station, there's five testing bays. These bays have the ability to do PCR testing and antibody testing. It takes about five to 10 minutes per person. After testing, you're gonna leave the trailer and head over to our player and football entrance. So let's take a, take a moment for a second and I, something I wanna explain to you guys. So with all these meetings, we looked at all of our high touch points. So you can imagine the front entrance door, there's people coming in and out, right? So any of the high touch areas, we wanted to make touchless. What does that mean? So as you walk up with your badge, you're gonna scan your ID that then automatically opens the door for you. The door opens, you don't have to touch the handle to be able to get in. You walk in to your right, you've got PPE. So you've got your mask, your hand sanitizer and gloves. Just a few short steps, we've got our thermal mirroring facial recognition scanner set up. That's to check your temperature one more time before you enter the building. If your temp is below 100.4, you're then allowed to walk down the hallway to our Connexon proximity reader uh, station. As you can see, I'm wearing one right now. We all have to wear it while we're in the building. You're given those readers. So you may ask, what, what, what are these devices? They're actually pretty neat. So this device, proximity reader, records the distance and duration between individual devices. This gives us real-time information should someone become positive within the building or during NFL business, such as team travel, hotel, bus, or plane. At that point, you're then clear to enter the building and go about your day. <clears throat> Some of the things we also had to go into was redesigning our current spaces so that we meet the CDC and physical distancing guideline. Some of our high traffic areas, such as your cafeteria, locker room, training room, weight room and meeting rooms, just to name a few areas, are the, are the, the places we, we really focused on and making sure we were meeting the physical distancing guidelines. So let's talk about the cafeteria. So you walk in the cafeteria, all the tables are spaced out along with the chairs. 
buffet style is not permitted. Everything is individually wrapped and prepackaged. Signage throughout the uh, cafeteria and floor markings are used to remind everyone flow of traffic and how to appropriately space out. Inside our locker room, for most of you on this call, you've probably gotten the tour last year, we have a pretty elaborate locker room, plenty of space. What we've decided to do was extend our locker room into our player lounge. So we've created additional locker room space and lockers. We even redesigned how our players are gonna be using their showers. So every other shower will be turned off and the showers that are accessed are appropriately spaced out. We went ahead and put plexiglass and partitions between our urinals. Inside the athletic training room, moving forward, treatment and rehab will be done by appointment only. Plexiglass and partitions are between our taping tables and our rehab equipment. Like I said, in the locker room and in the cafeteria, there's uh, signage and floor markings throughout these spaces to remind the players and staff how to appropriately space out in athletic training room and the hydrotherapy room. So let's talk a little bit about our weight room. So one of the league mandates and guidelines for players, we can't lift more than 15 at a time. One of the good things about our space and our campus, we have so much space we're able to actually have a second weight room, which will be in our Walter Payton Center. This gives us the ability to lift two groups safely at the same time. All players will have their own assigned racks, and they will, which they will use during training camp. During the lift, they'll also be assigned their own equipment, such as stretch bands and lacrosse balls. There's signage once again throughout the weight rooms, both at the Walter Payton Center and over here at our Hallis Hall building reminding each and every one of us the flow of traffic and how to space out appropriately. The last there I want to touch on is our meeting rooms. So we rearranged most of our rooms to allow for physical distancing with the number we felt was comfortable for the players. If a max number was 20 in a specific room, Coach and Ryan wanted us to cut that in half. Our team room this year, because it's such a big group, will be held in the Walter Payton Center. This will have chairs and tables and video monitors. All players will be assigned their own chairs and tables. With that, I'll go ahead and open it up for questions. Okay, thanks, Andre. Uh, we'll go ahead and open up for questions for Andre only. Um, once again, if you have a question, please use the raise your hand tool and I'll call on you individually. Uh, we'll start with uh, Pat Finley. Go ahead, Pat. Hey, Andre, thanks for this. Sure, no problem. Hey, what effect did the Marlins outbreak have on you guys in the industry? That's actually a good question. So one of the advantages we've had over the last few months, we've been able to watch other leagues. You know, we're all unique in our own ways, and I think we can learn from others' experiences. So I think it's something we as a club and at the league level, we closely watch. Did it There's scare time? you? No. no, no, it didn't scare me at all. Uh, Colleen Kane, go ahead. Hey, Andre, um, I was curious, what are the logistical challenges of housing like rookies and other training camp players that don't have permanent housing in the area yet? What goes into making sure the hotels are safe for them? Sure. Good, good question, Colleen. So we're uh, actually for the rookies, they're staying at a hotel not too far from from uh, Hallis Hall. Uh, we've put plans in place. Things that we've done here at Hallis Hall, we've implemented on all the player floors, so proper signage 
you know, educating players on what to do. Because part of all this, like Ryan mentioned, the more you can educate everyone, the more they're comfortable with, uh, you know, risk mitigation. So we've done a nice job in educating the, the groups of players that we've already onboarded into our quote unquote bubble um, in helping them feel comfortable staying outside of our, or being outside of Hallis Hall. Uh, go ahead, Hub. Andre, uh, have any of the players come to you for any kind of guidance or, or conversation about their decisions, whether to, to participate or to opt out? No, no one's come to me specifically with those questions. Like with any any of my players or any of our players here at the Bears, we're always in constant communication with them. It's not just with COVID, but it, it, it's anything related to their health individually or with their families. So we're always a resource for those guys. Go ahead, Dan. Andre, you obviously stressed the education piece of this puzzle. When you have uh, sort of gotten your arms around this, what have been the keys to you in, in not only uh, passing along the, the necessary information so that everyone understands the best practices, but also stressing that shared accountability that, that everyone's interactions sort of affect everyone else's in, in making sure that the whole building can, can stay safe? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Dan. So we, we can eat what we like to do or what most people do. You kind of focus on in-house. What we've done with the Bears, it's it's not just the people that are in the building. It's also their families and people that are going to be involved in around them through the 2020 season um, outside of the building. You know, we're, we're planning on addressing this with all players, all staff, anyone involved on the football aspect, along with their families. It's very important from an educational standpoint that you kind of calm down some of the anxieties of the unknown. So I think that's where education is 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 key. The more you know, the more you can make a sound and um, long lasting positive decision. It doesn't just affect us in the club, it also affects your, your family. So that's important that we encompass everybody in this decision because we need them just as much as they need us. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a family approach here. We realize it's not just all about us. It's about the people that's around the players and support staff as well. AJ. Andre, what's the, the chain of command with you as the ICO if you are alerted to a violation of the protocols either inside the building or outside? So that's where the return to work committee comes into play. Also with Ryan and coach, if there is a violation, that's, that's we, we get together and we address it case by case. Uh, Steve Leventhal. Yes, uh, Andre, thanks a lot. Um, what protocols or considerations are being taken into account for players that might've come from California or the Southeast where, the, where they're hot zones at present time? So that's where the testing comes into play. You know, this is something that was vetted and thought out from the, the, the league level. So all players are, are and staff members are under strict testing uh, guideline and protocol. And with all that considered coming from states like California, Arizona, for example. Pat Finley. Hey, Andre, have you had uh, virtual meetings with the guys about coronavirus protocols? And if so, what's been in it? Is it more or less what you just told us, or are there other things that you want to get across to them uh, kind of uh, before things uh, get started up there? Sure. So that's that's also part of the, the league mandate is having player virtual meetings along with their families. We're going to do it all together. You know, we think that's important. By separating it, sometimes you get questions or concerns that don't get addressed. 
So I think if we address it all at once, we have the ability to learn from questions that others may be asking. At times it's hard to, you may want to ask a question that you don't feel is appropriate. We're trying to make this situation as, as comfortable as possible. For me, the biggest part is education because the unknown can be scary. Stacey Dales. Hey, Andre, thank you for your time. Um, my question is, um, what's the protocol or plan in place if a family member, could be a child, could be a spouse, um, contracts coronavirus? Are, how are you dealing with the player or the personnel member? And sort of what's the procedure moving forward for that individual? So, uh, Stacey, that's another good question. So that also falls into education. Part of it, too, is planning, right? Some of the things we're going to address is let's not wait until this affects your family. Planning ahead. What does it look like should a family member in your household becomes positive? Do you have a place in your house where you're able to isolate that individual, whether it's your child or the, you know, your husband or your wife? And then do you have like a bathroom too? Also, what does it look like for groceries and things of every, you know, everyday things you may not be able to think of? I think the more we vet that out ahead of time, that will help everybody plan accordingly. And it eases some of that, some of that anxiety. But we do have, if someone needs to get tested, that's also been vetted and we have something in place. Should a family member become positive or suspected to be positive? Andre, two quick questions. Obviously, a, a big part of the, the testing process is being able to get the results turned around in a day or less. Do you know where your, your samples are being sent to be processed and how quickly those will be turned around? And then on top of that, knowing that there are going to be positive tests that come up, what gives you confidence in the troubleshooting process and, and the, the, the protocols that the, the league and the, the PA have established to deal with a positive test? Sure. So the, I'll, I'll answer the first part of your question and then tie it into the to, to the second part. So all the testing is done here. It's 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 then sent off to a uh, local lab. I believe it's over in um, Minnesota, so it's not far. And so we get the test results pretty fast. So there was 60 companies. Just to give you a little bit of background from the league level, from a national testing um, uh, pool. There was about 60 um, laboratories that the league looked at. They decided to go with bioreference. Because bioreference assured us that we should be able to get results within 24 hours. They've done an amazing job up to this point. We're a week in right now of testing. Um, so I'm confident that, uh, that we'll get the results that we need to should we have a positive case. Um, and what's amazing and actually been phenomenal so far is that everyone's adapting, right? Like as you go through this, we're making it better each day. Our testing is getting better. The reporting process has gotten better. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we've got a good plan in place, both here with the Bears and at the league level. Uh, Andy Seligman, go ahead. Hi, Andre. Um, you know, you've talked about the adjustments being made at the facility, but what it, what measures, if any, are being taken when the players are on the field out there practicing? So that goes back again to education, right? And you'll hear Coach probably touch on this at, at some point during the uh, during the press conference. Fewer, fewer and far, right? So the, the more we can space out, the more we distance ourselves while outside, 
and then wearing the appropriate PPE, such as masks, while we're out um, during practice is important to us. It's something that Ryan and Coach have stressed um, thus far. Uh, Colleen, go ahead. Andrew, I was wondering what you could tell us about the face shield that players can wear with their helmets this year, and is it being encouraged by the team? Yeah, so that that is being encouraged. Um, we're waiting for those to be shipped to us. I've seen it, but it's it's something that's going to be optional, to my knowledge right now. It's not something you can mandate. It'll be a bit of an adjustment because some guys aren't used to wearing it, but they've they've given them a few options should they decide that they want to wear a face shield while they have their helmet on. Kevin Fishbane, go ahead. Hey, Andre, thank you for doing this. Um, when, once games begin, obviously a lot of this stuff's out of your hand. Is, is the hope and understanding that kind of everything you do beforehand gives you at least the confidence that almost everybody out there is negative and is healthy? Yes. So once again, that falls into the, the comment Ryan mentioned earlier, risk mitigation, right? So I think at this point, we all have to ask ourselves individually and as a group, what can we do to minimize our, our risk? And once again, I'm confident at the club level and at the league level that we'll have the best plan in place once we start uh, getting ready for games. Okay, we have time for a couple more for Andre. I'll start with Pat Finley. Go ahead. Hi, Andre. I know the league will have a, a list of things that they don't want players to do, go, you know, going to crowded places, things like that. Do you have recommendations for your guys about what they should and shouldn't do? I mean, do you want them going to the grocery store if they can avoid it? Are there other places that you just assume them not hang out? Yeah, so for me, you don't want to make it so specific or cookie cutter that they now get into a situation where like, shoot, this wasn't addressed, what do I do? I think what I'm going to continue to educate and tell everyone, not just the players, right? Take a deep breath, ask yourself, the situation you're putting yourself in is the risk worth the reward. And trust your gut. If, if you're hesitant about it, don't do it. And one more for Andre. Uh, Dan Weeder, go ahead. Andre, what was your reaction when uh, Vikings ICO Eric Sugarman uh, and his family were diagnosed with COVID? And, and who's next in the chain of command in the event that, that you had to be separated from the facility for an extended period? Sure. So for Sugarman, you know, I've, I've gone over the years and getting to know Eric very well. Obviously, I wish him a speedy recovery along with his family. It's hard for me to really touch on his his situation because I'm not directly involved. But um, no, it's not something that makes me, you know, nervous or am I worried about? You know, it, I think we have a good plan in place here. Obviously, my plan moving forward is not to get the virus, and I'm doing what I need to to make sure I'm available, you know, for the club, for my family. So for me, and you asked who should be the next person up, that's something we've talked about and addressed internally, and we have a plan in place. All right, John. So there's the plan, and uh, I certainly appreciate everything the Bears have done. I do think it's legitimate that they, because they have so much space, the social distancing can work. You know, one thing I've always thought about uh, as we've been covering baseball here for the last month or so, they're in giant stadiums, but there's not a whole lot of space to actually... Th those stadiums are are built to show up, be in a clubhouse and go play on the field. It's not really built to do all these other things. The stadiums are really built for the fans. So 
I think that's been an issue. If you see, as you know, you see the Marlins break out. I, I, it's a huge challenge to keep these guys spaced out, and it's so important that they don't get this false sense of uh, security just because they've been tested every day. They pass those tests, and now they're inside the building. Like I know they're trying to create these individual bubbles, but they're not real bubbles. And I, I've honestly even just showing up at the White Sox Stadium and getting in there, we're spaced out. It feels safe. So you almost get this false sense of security. But there's a reason why they're making us wear our mask the whole time we're in the building. Cannot take it off unless we're eating. Because the reality is we're still going home every night. We're still going to the grocery store. We're still going to all these places. And you never know who might be asymptomatic at any given point. And that is my big fear with how this is going to work, Johns. You just look at the numbers. 80 players. Each one of those players has families or girlfriends or a crew they hang out with. And who knows where those people are. I just... You look at the political climate right now. Within those 80 players, there just has to be one that is in the camp of not taking this seriously, not thinking it's a big deal, or they're married to somebody like that, or they have a friend who's like that, and they hang out with them all the time. At some point, someone's going to be positive, and you just hope it doesn't get spread in the locker room or on the field. Well, that's why the... The NFLPA and the NFL had to agree upon, like the, these behavioral conditions, right? Like you cannot go to bars, you you cannot go to crowded restaurants, you cannot do certain things. And but what's stopping the girlfriend from going to, out I know, to the club? I, so you know, my my point off that is the Bears believe they created a bubble for themselves at, at Hallis Hall, and again, people will leave, come and go in that bubble. But I, it's on the players. If there's like one message I got from. Pace, Nagy, and Andre Tucker today is that they they need these players to almost create their own bubbles and plans apart from what the Bears have created in terms of their own bubble and plan. So, you know, like go to one, leave this big bubble to to go back to your smaller bubble. And and that's how Bears players should really view it if you want to make it through this season on the field and not have a positive test and to complete this season, you know, as a league. Yeah, I just uh, it's it's so important that as great as the testing might be and the procedure for even getting in the building might be on any given day, someone's going to get in the building at some point and probably be positive. I think it's just a it's already happened, you know, in baseball. We've we've seen it and it's going to happen here if it's not a true bubble like the NBA has created. You can't keep the virus doesn't care, so that's where being diligent within the building, wearing your mask all the time. I just don't know how this works once they finally go to live contact on the field. Like that's my that's my biggest concern. That's where, like when you look at what happened with the Phillies and the Marlins over the weekend. First of all, it's a miracle that the, none of the Phillies tested positive with the outbreak as as big as it as it was with the Marlins. But that's baseball, man. They're spaced out. It's like by by design a socially distanced sport. What would have happened if they had been lined up the Phillies and the Marlins lined up at the line of scrimmage for 3 hours on Sunday when they were playing each other? I sincerely doubt 
the Phillies would have all tested negative. That's my big concern. And when does that happen? I, 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 and and I want to also address something else. I hate like this sounds like we're being negative, and I know there was like that Kyle Brandt tweet. I like Kyle a lot, but this idea that the media is rooting against the football season could not be farther from the truth. Like I'm probably football is the only thing that allows me to accept summers over and get get me to the the cold months of winter. If we don't have football this fall, there's a good chance I'm going to be like literally depressed. So that is not at all that this concern comes from my want there to be football like I I'm concerned there won't be football that's where this is coming from not at all from any kind of bizarre idea that the media is rooting for there not to be a football season I I haven't been following and I agree let me just say this I agree with you there 100% like we just need this to be taken seriously if we want to to watch our, our favorite sport in football uh, that applies to everyone across the country, in my opinion. So um, I haven't been following the Marlins story step by step, but the, the more you see that they're the only team with positive tests right now. You, you see the, the bubble numbers from the NHL and the NBA where there are no positive tests. It seems to me that somebody in the Marlins organization, just like we were talking about, broke their own personal bubble and went out of it for a little bit. And this could be anybody. This this is not just players. This is coaches. This is assistants to assistants. This is uh, training staff. This is equipment staff. This is PR guys. This, this is marketing guys. In terms of everybody's got to take this seriously if you want this football season and you want your team to, to get through this with the the least amount of positive cases possible. It, it just has to be treated that way. So my suspicion is that, and, and again, this is speculation, that somebody from the Marlins there, it could be just one person, could be two, broke the bubble. Well, I don't know if this was confirmed, but Jesse Rogers uh, reported. Oh, my multiple, man Jesse. Yeah, your guy. Multiple times reported the other day on the radio that there there was, his understanding was, they think it came from a flight attendant on their flight from Atlanta to Philadelphia, which is a whole nother concern. Like they're still flying on planes once the season starts. So I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to stay optimistic. The Marlins thing really has me skeptical that, that football can work. Um, well, you hope they can learn from it. You know, like, oh, yeah, you, you forgot about the people they come in contact with, you know, when they arrive at airports or the guy, you know, who handles the bags. Like, who, who takes the bags off the plane? Do you need uh, airline crews to do that? Or can you have your trainer, tra- your, like your, your trainers and your, your extra equipment staff who have been through all your protocols? Could, could they do that? Like, you need to take full control of every little aspect you can think of as possible. Yeah. Well, I uh, I hope it works. I hope. Um, I mean, obviously they're taking it seriously. I just it's just the sheer numbers. You're, you're talking about like three times the amount of people than we are with a baseball team. Um, That's why. Like, could you imagine? Like when Andre Tucker was talking to us, could you imagine if this was old house hall and they didn't have yeah. the PNC Center? to use for their staff and, and players and whatnot, and they didn't have the the weight room extension, you know, where the, the whole football operations has virtually their own building and there's a there's a separate player's entrance. Or, 
you know, there there's now four practice fields. You talk about spacing, distancing, even when you're outside. Adam, when you and I covered started covering this team, there's only two fields. Yeah. At House Hall, that you know now you got like these giant parking lots where you can even socially distance yourself from each other's cars. There's so much more space up there in Lake Forest as com- compared to really not even a decade ago. It, it, the, the building itself is expansive. You know, like the Walter Payton Center itself is expansive. There, there's a lot more space for the Bears to utilize now. Yeah, I, I, I think they're set up to do it. it it's the, buy, the buy-in is the question. And it's the... It's the elephant in the room, and I know it's addressed, and I know they're tr- probably drilling it into the players, but it's just it's it, that's that's what's going to be de- probably the determining factor on whether or not uh, you know this season's able to be played. I hope I I'm, I tell you I hope <laughs> please please uh, get played. Please have football this fall because it's going to be tough without it, and um, we want to certainly be talking about a Bears season on this podcast for the next. What six months? Six yes. months if we're yes. talking about Super Bowl. I want to call. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I didn't know this was a prediction podcast, Adam. Oh uh, no! Let's uh, for the sake <laughs> of everybody. Let's uh, let's stay away from predictions. See, you have to learn from your mistakes. <laughs> right, you know, like predicting the White Sox will win the AL Central. Oh, there's time. They're, there's time. They're one and four. What are the Cubs, by the way? No, um, <laughs> the Cubs are the Cubs are four and one. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. right, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we good? Yeah. Got everything here. Yeah. We could talk later this week. I'll, I'll text you taunts about the Cub Sox. Oh, great, great. Uh, probably not. Oh, probably um, so. <laughs> <laughs> We will have plenty coming up later this week with the quarterbacks, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, talking on Friday. And uh, it'll be good to hear from Nick Foles again and see uh, where he feels like he is in this quarterback competition since he really has not been able to be around these players and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, getting to know them very, very soon here inside Hallis Hall. Uh, I think, you know, as as long as everybody passed their tests, Saturday is when they're going to be able to get in there together. Yeah. Uh, it sounds the like the rookies time. are already going through stuff on the field right now. They've mm-hmm. been through their rounds of tests. Um, yeah. Next few days here should be interesting just in terms of getting things acclimated and running on schedule like they, they hope to do. So we'll keep you updated. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read Adam at The Athletic, theathletic.com. You can get that 40% off at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. NBCSportsChicago.com for me. I will have stuff on this uh, first day of uh, talking to the Bears. And uh, that should be up uh, either later today or tomorrow. At some point while you're listening to this podcast, you can uh, check that out at NBCSportsChicago.com. And on the My Teams app, go check that out and, uh, and download it there. Please rate and review the podcast, too. Don't always say that, but uh, we're back. We're ready to go. We're excited for a sixth season with you guys, and uh, we're going to adapt like everyone else is and make this fun along the way here for you. So please uh, rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Helps spread the word, expand the pod, which we're trying to do. 
every single year, and we appreciate our loyal listeners uh, that continue to help us do that. Also, thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison, does a great job, especially on days like this when there's a whole bunch of stuff to piece together from uh, press conferences and things like that. He does a great job. And uh, we will talk to you on Friday as we hear from the quarterbacks. See ya. We don't have turds on this team.